spoiler alert. This is the only fucking podcast about the Sopranos. So what, no fucking ZD now? This week, no fucking ZD gets oblique. We'll be talking about Russian interior decorators, playing Scrabble on NyQuil, and how we're feeling very sheepish. It's an all-new episode of No Fucking ZD. Welcome to No Fucking ZD. Evan got up and ran away once the... Uh, <laughs> I promised myself I wasn't going to put my through, myself through this anymore. It's <laughs> too much. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, welcome to No Fucking ZD episode 37, I think we decided. You guys don't know how he is. Like, yeah. I... It's intellectual warfare in this radio booth right, with yeah. Brendan. We're in a very small booth together. Uh, I'm going to adjust my mic real quick because the, the weight <laughs> screwed up. Um, <laughs> all right, let's try that. Let's try that again. Welcome to No Fucking ZD, episode 37. Uh, talking about a classic Sopranos episode today. Every, every, it's like, this is a Sopranos fan Sopranos episode. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, true. Uh, but I it think also... that if someone like dropped, I mean, how do you feel? Like if someone dropped in and didn't really know the context and was like, yeah, I'll check out Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And this was the one airing that night. Yeah. What's the reaction? I think that's a good choice. I think they immediately come back for more. I think that uh, this episode went beyond the show. It was Eight like out a, of ten would watch again. Probably, yeah. Um, it was it was like a pop culture phenom, if you will, if I'm going to say that. Um, and uh, I guess still maybe sort of kind of is. Although when you search it on Google, the first thing that comes up is the actual Pine Barrens article on Wikipedia Shame, and not the episode. Google. Shame. So maybe we're getting old <laughs> and things are... Uh, Things are we gotta, getting forgotten. We got to add to our hypothetical soundboard the shame with the bell. Yeah, we need that big so that time. we can shame the biggest corporation in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Sopranos Corp. Um, <laughs> so let's, I guess, get right into it. I mean, there's. We said last week that we're probably only going to do like 20 minutes. We'll try to do a little bit more than that because um, there is actually a lot to talk about. I would say. Yeah, Beyond- there is because I forgot about. I mean, aside from the interior decorator, mm-hmm. we got some drunk dialings. We also have yep. some moos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a London Broil throne. Yeah. Is there a London Broil throne in this episode? Oh, that, this is the one. There yeah. is. There is, yeah. isn't there? Um, AIDS-laden skank, is it? Mm, uh, no, that's, that's next week. This week, she's right, cool. Right. We'll get to Gloria and Tony, if you can't figure out who we're talking about quite yet. <laughs> uh, that's not a conversation that Christopher and Polly have in this the woods. It's actually a fight that uh, Janice and Aaron had. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I can't believe Aaron was fucking around on Janice. I can't believe he's gone. Yeah, that's well. No, he'll be back. Just he's no longer with Janice. Janice's storyline for the season is mostly done. I think she comes back a couple times, but it's wrapped up. You know, she had this religious awakening. It went nowhere. It ultimately, she Tony brought her back into a circle. That's it for Janice for now. Um, that's true. But you know, there are uh, plenty of other women in Tony's life. They all make appearances in this one, they and break uh, his balls. they're all breaking his balls. But uh, we'll get to that. We have a lot to talk about with uh, with Gloria for sure, with Melfi, and with Meadow. We'll have some fun playing Scrabble with Meadow in a little bit. I still wish he was wearing the Oakleys while he was playing Scrabble with her. I know. Literally, I'm sorry, but like <laughs> Jackie Jr., say what you will about him. Uh, I mean, he, he, we were talking last time about how he's sort of a stoic actor, and mm-hmm. the character does call for it. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure what Jason Serbona is like in real life. He's not working much. So, <laughs> that, that, yes, that's probably what his mother would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fucking Estelle Costanza over here. You know? um, but he... Uh, well, he, you know, he has that amazing moment anyways when he was he was given a real golden football as far as the Scrabble game was concerned. This is one of the funniest mm-hmm. scenes, I think, all season. There's that, and then there's uh, 
and of course we'll talk about this later, but um, the, when he's putting the cologne on in the mirror, he's got a great face that he does there that I love. <laughs> yeah. So I'll call you later, okay? Yeah, exactly. That, that's just great. He's such a bullshitter, but I just love how he says, oblique? <laughs> he can't do Spanish words. Ass? Maybe oblique is the episode title. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should maybe do that. Yeah, spell it out like phonetically. Yeah. Yeah. Oblique. Uh, all right. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, last week and a couple times throughout the season, we we learned about some Russian uh, Russian riffraff going on over on the side somewhere in Jersey. There's a Russian mob kind of you know working in, in parallel to Tony's mob. They don't do a lot of they do some business together. Mostly don't cross paths. Uh, in this one, they most certainly do. Well, they've been they've been working together um, to get Tony's money money laundered, mm-hmm. clean his whistle, yep. Isle of Man. They're just dumping tons of cash into laundromats across New Jersey and just cleaning it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how mm-hmm. you launder it. You mm-hmm. can also use like a, one of those dry cleaning bags and do it at home in your washing machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the, he's laundering money through this Russian event space, I guess it looks like. <laughs> yes. um, I really like this tall guy, this tall Russian fella, Valerie. Valerie, yeah. I guess you could he could probably dunk on us, mm-hmm. come to think of it. Almost certainly. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking about this, for some reason, uh, Silvio generally collects from Valerie. Mm. I was thinking about why that could be, because clearly they didn't bust Valerie out. No, I guess not. I mean, perhaps he was betting football or something like that, and it's like friendly yeah. collecting. Yeah, I guess so. They like, don't really like, talk about what the cannolis are for, right? I yeah, mean, would would that be unfriendly between the Russians and the Italians if, like, one of the Russian sort of lieutenants, capo-type dudes, like, I mean, could could he just owe some friendly money on football and he's paying it down and yada, yeah, yada, yada? That, or, I mean, you know, we learned that he has a little bit of a substance problem. Maybe he's buying... Well, I guess Silvio wouldn't be selling drugs, though, of all people. No, I, I can just think of football. Yeah, football, or it's just... Or he has, like, some kind of operation going on somewhere in, in Silvio's territory, you know? Yeah, maybe, anything like maybe that, they yeah. do it together. I mean, but, but I was kind of thinking, like, why is Silvio collecting from this Russian guy? Mm. Especially given, I mean, we mentioned... Uh, that we saw David Chase speak. Yes. Over high tea. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was actually a kid's tea party. Yeah, it was. And he just talk, goes and talks about Sopranos. Yeah, it's strange. We were just sitting on these like Fisher Price tables and yeah. then like one of us stood up and the chair was just like stuck to us because we're way yeah. too big for those kids' chairs. Stuck to stuck to your ass. You stuck to David's ass. Yeah. And he... Uh, Sorry, he, David. He was saying that basically... <laughs> uh, we know he listens. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 2,000 of the downloads are him. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Uh but he was saying that like they kind of stayed away from you know russian and italian mob mm. conflict yeah yeah because that there's no there's no precedence for that right in the real world right and that so we understand why you know they didn't go down this road where there's this there where there's this war between the russians and the italians yeah um because it would be boring also. I think it would be boring. Yeah. I mean, you get a couple episodes out of it and then what? You know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. I think it's more interesting the way they actually did it on the show where, like, the first real, like, real mob war doesn't come till the end, you know? Because that makes just makes a lot more sense to me, I guess, like, structurally. Yeah. But anyway, um, we, I, I have some other thoughts about why he didn't come back. And, I mean, we'll just get to it, like, throughout. Let's just, we'll just jump right into the story, I say. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll discuss that. We're finally going to do it, you guys. Here we're we fin- are. We're finally going to jump into <laughs> it. Here we go. Pine Barrett's. Uh, we both watched it. Take two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, so they, they collect. Things get out of hand because Polly's kind of being a little cunty. Right. Polly's, Polly's put in charge of this. And he is a captain. We were talking about this before we started recording. 
we don't think that he became a captain on the show. I'm almost positive he was like this pre-show. He was been a captain, captain since yeah. like before Tony was made, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, so I mean, this really is like you know a Polly episode in a way, and that he's finally put in charge of something, and we get to see what his leadership would be like. Um, yes. that's what the story is like to me, at least. It's more about like Polly here. Uh, he also and, just like really didn't want to. Did, oh, he had to cancel like his mother's foot doctor or something, right? He's gonna see see them the next morning. I mean, he had to rush his satin finish at the uh, at the manicure place, which I fucking <laughs> yeah, love. That's by true. Way. We find out that he gets no polish manicure and <laughs> the satin finish. Um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't supposed to be there that day. This is uh, Polly's clerk's episode. Um, so from the beginning, <laughs> he's kind of like agitated, and also I think because of you know he's a little older and grew up in the Cold War and remembers the Bay of Pigs obviously very well. Sure. Uh, I think he went in there just being like, "Fuck this!" Like I never I don't thought think- about that because he does mention to Tony. I don't know why we do business with these guys. Yeah. We, you know, they, I, I forget which poly racially charged statement it was, but it was right. probably something along the lines of they ate Pootsie before we gave him the gift of our cuisine. Some like real episode one right. shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's mad about it. And he brings up, he brings up the Bay of Pigs to Christopher who thought it was a movie, which is one of my favorite exchanges. Um, there's two great exchanges in here. Uh, one's in the woods and one's right there. I, I love that. I love that Christopher thought it was bullshit. Um, <laughs> That's but- actually a really good point. Chris, Chrissy probably... I don't know. He probably got what, like a B in AP World History. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was definitely honors for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Gifted and talented. Yeah. So uh, Polly goes in there already pissed off. He doesn't want to be there for one. It's Silvio's job, and this guy's Russian, and he's just as as good of a, a lieutenant or you know soldier Polly is. It, uh, it turns out he's not the best at uh, the managerial aspect of he's being not, a captain. Not, wouldn't make much of a diplomat. No, not at all. He's a bit Trump esque. Right. If you ask me. You're absolutely right. Uh, so, you know, things go wrong. I don't think we have to really get into too much because I'm sure our, our listeners have seen this episode many, many times. But there's a, like, there's a violent scene here. I just really like that they get into it because this guy has a universal remote. Mm. That's amazing. And it's one of those really cool, like, early 2000s universal remotes right. that probably took, like, three days to program, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. And, like, why didn't he use his iPhone? What an idiot. You know? but, <laughs> like his Apple TV? I mean, yeah, why isn't that on? Yeah, like a Roku or whatever. But, like, he... I mean, I just love that they injected a little bit of humanity into this character where they're like, he has a universal remote, and he's mm. proud of that, you know? And yeah. he hangs out drinking way too much. But, like, his house is kind of, like... Polly's totally bullshitting because he's like, this guy's house is actually really nice. Yeah, it's not bad. That's probably why he was, but that's probably why Polly was being such a dick. Because yeah, uh, yeah, when he's like looking at the entertainment center is when he really starts to. Yeah, Uh, I I want to like make some kind of connection there with like change and technology and progress and Polly not being able to handle that as well. But I don't know. I'll just present that without comment there. Polly does (laughs) use a remote control to pop his trunk quite often. True, his Cadillac. So he is he is he is up to date with the future. Okay, okay. think about it uh true okay okay that's fair there's uh all right so so thanks thanks folks we'll see you next time <laughs> yeah we, 20 minutes less than 20 minutes we did it yeah um so they they, they wind up in pine barrens they gotta get rid of this guy tony uh well i like that it's to, just before that i like that it is a thing for them to go to south jersey yeah well like, it is they go to new york a lot but they're like that's south jersey yeah but and, that's like a three-hour drive though from yeah, where they are. It's true, but also it's South Jersey. It's no longer North Jersey. Like, true, true. They, they don't they probably don't have much jurisdiction down there, do they? Yeah, I would I would assume 
almost no. I mean, you know, Atlantic City maybe, but yeah, and certainly not by the Pine Barrens. Nobody cares about the Soprano crew. I mean, Yo-Yo Mendez doesn't post up yeah, out in the probably Pine not. Barrens. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, but they do wind up there. The Pine Barrens is, is like New Jersey folklore too. There's like the whole like Jersey Devil urban myth, and then Bobby brings up uh, the albino people who used to live there. So like, if That's you're right. a Jersey guy uh, or or girl um or both uh like pine barrens should mean a little something to you i think you know i think uh i think that must have been fun for david chase as a new jersey person himself to do a, like a spooky sopranos episode <laughs> set in the pine barrens yeah and they probably it was weird probably weird for everyone going outside of like the square three-quarter mile that they yeah. usually shoot in <laughs> it's like basically like what, what are the three places like west caldwell for that house satrials and then Satin Dolls. Yeah, which is Lodi, I think, or something like that. Lodi, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you what county that is. Um, County of New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. So they get there. Uh, Valerie is still alive. He's chewed his way through the the duct tape. And um, Yeah, that's crazy. Well, is he still alive? I mean, he's still alive, obviously, but did he fake? (laughs) Is he really? (laughs) Here's the thing. Is this the sixth sense? No, but like, did he just play dead in the apartment thinking like, I'll get out of this? Or like, was he actually fucked up and like, and and you know just came to it like it seems like he might just be kind of a smart fighter and like maybe he realized that trying to like rambo his way through this wasn't going to work out so well mm. so he just like i mean he probably was like pretty pretty you know winded mm-hmm. uh, to say the least after struggling for that long cuz that's that'll really exhaust you pretty quickly fighting off two guys like that well yeah even well, though this guy is fucking huge yeah i mean when it's Polly and christopher though i'm just not sure <laughs> christopher <laughs> on his back is unbelievable yeah totally it's that that shit is hilarious when they're just screaming at each other hurt yeah. him hurt him <laughs> move your head um but he makes I, it i think he yeah he made it. i think he was pretty fucked up but mm-hmm. like he had the time to kind of like think it over and figure out what he was doing mm-hmm. But Polly and Christopher, they're off their game in this episode. Let's be honest, from the beginning. Yeah, well. It's a bit Bond villain-esque where they're like, you know, they they start making him dig his grave, mm -hmm. which is really dark. Yes, very. But they do it in a very comic way. The my balls, I wash my balls in ice water, and this whole the whole scene is is very well done. It's very like Cohen Brothers, you know. Yeah, it really Big time is. Coen Brothers. That's true, and not just because of the snow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not because it takes place in Fargo, but because yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they are, but like, it's also again, like, it's about like Paulie making these just like bad decisions after bad decisions after bad decisions in this episode. You know, like yeah. every step of the way, he just does the wrong thing, and he's not keeping the big picture in mind ever. No, not at all. Which not may all. answer the question that you had. In a previous episode mm. about why Polly never like rose up to want to be boss or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he, I just don't think he wanted to handle it. You know, like I I, when it comes yeah. to when it, when he has to make decisions, it's just like it's a hassle, I guess. You know, like yeah, he just seems better as a side man. It seems like he doesn't really ever know how to keep the big picture in mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like the he probably knows that Tony has sent like probably a, at least like few hundred thousand dollars if not like a million dollars through the russians Mm -hmm. and like how why would polly want to upset that apple cart you know or maybe he doesn't know but the point is that like he can't keep the big picture in mind for long enough to like make a good decision in a lot of cases yeah no i I mean i agree like in the first scene on the phone with tony he's like why do we why do we deal with this people and tony's just like take a guess why do you think like tony understands that part and polly's just like he doesn't you know polly's still get that or doesn't care 
Yeah, I completely agree. And he's like still sort of got a street gang mentality almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like for Tony, and that's the difference, the key difference between Tony and everybody else is that for mm-hmm. him, he's pure business, you know? Like for yeah. a lot of people, it's like a little of this, a little of that. Chrissy and Polly, I think, share it a little bit. They both got a little bit of like, we want to crack skulls, but like we want to make money. Mm-hmm. Tony kind of only gives a shit about money at the end of the day, it seems. Yeah, well, and running it, running, running the business in a way where he's not gonna get caught, and like running right, but, it like almost legitimately is, or you know. Yeah, but so he can make money in the long term. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like he, maybe he got his yayas out when he was younger or or whatever. But mm-hmm. it seems like he's just doing everything he can to like make it work as long as possible right. as a business. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, yeah, we see over and over again uh, that uh, that. Polly really can't be Tony, you know, because I can't imagine Tony would be stuck in the woods all that long. <laughs> if this was Tony and Christopher, <laughs> I kind of feel like they'd be pretty much in and out. And also, well, also Valerie would be alive when they left the apartment, but uh, that's another story, I guess. Yeah. Um, that, so, that is another. So we true. get to the real famous part of this whole episode here. Um, they bring Valerie out to the woods. They're having him dig his grave and with he. With a little shovel. With a little tiny shovel. <laughs> uh, and he escapes. He, like, cracks open Christopher's skull he hits Polly in the balls and he's really he really knows what he's doing well he does yeah and so you know we get to the question now of like I mean do you feel like he survived because they I mean you know he's running away they're shooting at him and there's a pretty explicit shot where he gets shot in the head in the head right I mean there's almost no questioning that there's no questioning that but I think that a, I think you know as well as I do that there's not an answer. Yeah. But I think that as far as I'm concerned, two things. One, neither one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like there's no answer and that's the fun of this episode and that's why yeah. I love it and that's yeah. cool. Because um, like the way that even seeing David Chase talk about it, like it confirmed to me that they were just like, they didn't even think about it. They were just like, yeah, that's yeah. probably not a storyline worth pursuing. Yeah. There's no precedent for it in real life. And they just leave it, and it's brilliant. Yeah. You know? So that's my favorite part, and, and I love that it's unanswered. However, I have also heard his Chase and Stein said. <laughs> I've also <laughs> I've also heard David Chase say that <clears throat> that it's all there in every episode, mm-hmm. and um, and he was referring to the final episode. Mm-hmm. It was one of his answers when like some douchebag confronted him about it. Yeah. Um, at some point, like years and years ago. But he was like, that's all I have to say is that it's all there, just like every right. other episode. So that got me thinking about Pine Barrens, because honestly, I think Pine Barrens is a way more fun mystery than the final episode. I agree. You yeah. And me and the window washer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that shot where they realize that they, the blood stops mm-hmm. and it's like, clearly he climbed a tree. Yeah. Or they're definitely trying to make you feel that but spookiness. But there's that shot. They yeah. do a sh- an aerial shot where they're not even looking up. Mm-hmm. The blood stops. They don't look up. There's trees everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think you could, I think that's the shot itself could be read either way. Like it could be like an atmospheric shot just to kind of make it seem and feel spooky. Like maybe like with one of those loud bird chirps with the like yeah. a ton of reverb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, or he could literally be up there because the, the blood trail does stop. Um, 
I, I don't know. There's, and you can't even do that with computers. Right. <laughs> we should mention while we're talking about shots here that Steve Buscemi did direct this episode. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. So um, Was this the first one he directed? I believe so. I believe so. And then he directed yeah, how, like, I always wondered how that happens. Do you think he was drunk at a party with with James Gandolfini? He was like, hey, <laughs> Steve wants to direct an episode. Probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, well, I think, the, I think um, David Chase liked a movie he had directed years ago. Steve... Uh, I'm told it's pronounced Buscemi, but I always want to pronounce it Buscemi. So I'm actually going to go back to Buscemi. Um, he I, I like had directed a movie called Trees Lounge a couple of years before that, that apparently like had a, just a real Sopranos feel to it, the way it was directed. And it's a movie that David Chase really loved. And somehow they linked up that way. I'm not totally sure. Well, that's awesome because yeah. we're going to see a lot more of, of, of mm-hmm. Steve, Uncle Al. Yeah. Uh, real soon. We'll literally see him, and he directs a couple more episodes. Couple more. Couple more. One in five and one in six, I believe. He does something in five, and then he does the Johnny Sack wedding in season six. Oh, no That's kidding. Him. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, Maybe but- someone asked him to direct it on the day of his daughter's wedding. That's probably what it is. You're absolutely right. Duh. <laughs> and everyone knows an actor can't turn you down on their daughter's wedding. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> the old urban legend uh, is true. But yeah, uh, so I mean, I think that there's a shot in there that that to me says one thing. Yeah. But, it, but honestly, like, I think that he got shot in the head and he climbed up there and died. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, I think he's I think he does probably die. Probably. Um, but yeah, how would that not? He see we see we see um fuck what's the guy's name that he's laundering the money through Slava Slava we see Slava again mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. yeah oh so, wait after this episode yeah well mm, I don't know I mean I think I they, think this is the last this might be it but I anyways we we would have heard about it it would have well, impacted something Tony would be pissed about his money being gone and we hear about the offshore funds mm-hmm. when Hesh's girlfriend dies spoiler alert <laughs> um, but because to- Tony decides that he's just got to pay Hesh back mm-hmm. this is season six uh, B yeah one of the darkest episodes yeah 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 um and you know Tony says I got to liquefy some offshore monies. Right. I always assumed he was talking about money that he sent through through uh, Slava. Possibly. So, I mean, I I just I think it's safe to assume that Apple Cart isn't upset. Yeah. Well, so yeah, probably not. I I think we're supposed to kind of feel by the end of this though that like even if even if Valerie never came home, Slava would probably just be like he got drunk or or drugged up and just never returned. Yeah. I think it, there's like enough of an out. Although I mean the, the apartment is trashed, so uh, I don't know. But still, I think that like yeah, we're we're point. left kind of thinking like uh eh, this dude was on a pretty bad path anyway. And, well, and you mentioned to me a while ago that it it is possible that you know, if Valerie survived, he wouldn't have come back because he might have thought that Slava put the hit out on him. Yeah, I guess that's true too. Yeah. That, was, that was your that was your theory. I say a lot of things. I say I have a lot of theories. <laughs> I can't remember the all of them. Um, but uh, there is. I was reading on the way over here, um, and Alan Steppenwall's chapter about the Sopranos. He kind of talks to David Chase about this. He doesn't I, even drink wine while he writes. I, yeah, I know. Um, but I guess that Terrence Winter kept being like like you know david like we can't leave this on the table like this is you have to wrap this up like you're you're really like throwing something away if we don't like at least bring this back and so they had either outlined or actually written a scene where christopher and Polly have to go to slava's place 
and Valerie's just there like mopping the floors, but like clearly fucked in the head. Like he had, you know, suffered a severe head injury. So like no he doesn't way. recognize them. Um, but I, so I don't know if that was officially ever written. Like and, they gave him a lobotomy basically by shooting him in the head. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he just had such a severe brain injury that like, <laughs> and they, they had this whole backstory <laughs> about like these boys. Much, I, I, this, this is in the revolution was televised by, by, uh, Alan Seppenwall. And, uh, I, you know, the story was that like boy scouts found him in the woods <laughs> and like nursed him back to health and brought him back. And then, um, <laughs> But now that I think of it, though, there is that one scene in uh, the first episode of season five where they, I mean, there's Polly and Christopher at least like tell the guys the story about this, you know, so there's like, it does come back one time. It does. And I love that they mention it because this is, I mean, in a, in a way, this is the most anti-sitcom episode and the mm-hmm. most sitcom-y episode. It so is, yeah. Because nothing's different at the end yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean, in, in in this regard, Gloria and Tony, fuck, God save them. But like, mm-hmm. but I mean, as far as this is concerned, in a way, it's wrapped. I mean, you don't know it's wrapped up at the end of the episode, but it is because you never hear about it again. Well, it is just because, again, like, I, it's it's about Polly. It's really about Polly, and so the story really comes to a close when Tony's like, "What do you think? Should we go back out there?" And Polly right. is just like, "Fuck it, let's just go home." That really just like ties the thread off there that like really puts puts a pin in it and it is another bad decision yeah exactly um and so like you know when i think about this episode like when it aired i mean i too was like oh he's he's clearly going to come back next week or all right he didn't come back this week but like the finale is going to be about the russian and then it was like nope all right season four premiere like he's coming back like this is it yeah and slowly but surely i think people realize like no he's never coming back and this is like really one of the first times that I was at least paying attention that the fans of the show were really just like, fuck this show. Like who does David Chase think he is? Like what an arrogant writer yes. who thinks he's like an artist, quote unquote. Um, and I remember him talking, I'll have to like deep dive into Google and try and find this, but like talking about endings and how sometimes people just didn't see the ending that he saw when he was writing. And I, I never got, I didn't get that for a long time, but that's like a great point though. So what you're saying is that this Polly thing is the end that's of the, the sh- end of the, exactly that, the end of that subplot. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you know, like the term MacGuffin they use, like Hitchcock use, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just a plot device that drives the story that doesn't really matter. It's like, oh, there's this briefcase we need to go get. It's under the Senator's desk. Like that's the whole plot of the movie, but it's not really the plot of the movie. It's actually about the people like looking for the briefcase. Well, and they and, use that a lot in sitcoms where like the, where like the first part of the episode is about one thing, but it leads. Yeah. Like there are a lot of, uh, I guess not procedurals, but there are a lot of sitcoms and and stuff like that. Like Family Guy is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Every episode, Simpsons too, yeah, yeah. Every episode, there's something at the beginning. Oh, I got my tax return. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Christmas, whatever, mm-hmm. and then that leads to some other catastrophe or yeah. like some some hijinks, right? Yeah, and it reveals character. And you, said, <laughs> you said it's called a McMuffin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, an egg McMuffin, which they serve all day now. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's. Thanks for sponsoring us. Yeah. Um, McDonald's. It's not HBO. It's McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> when you're here, your family, McDonald's. Um, it's uh, MacGuffin is what it's called. And it's basically just like a plot device that really doesn't actually matter. No one actually in the end cares about getting it. You know, it's like the diamond that the, the people in the heist are trying to get. But it's not really about the diamond. It's more about like the revenge on the guy who owns the diamond. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is kind of like a McMuffin. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, we could make a movie where the McMuffin is the MacGuffin if you wanted to. 
Uh, nobody steal that. Holy shit, that's a fucking great idea. Um, so really, you know, Valerie is just kind of a plot device in the end. He doesn't. He's not like a character we should expect to come back. He's a. He's something that's supposed to reveal something about Polly and about Christopher and about Tony. You know, I mean, he's 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 incidental to the story. He just happens to be there completely. And I was just reminded about how. You know, we, we get we get a nice sort of time uh, time warp seeing them having all this cell phone problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my favorite is when when Paulie thinks that he said that he was an interior decorator. Yes. And Chrissy says, this place look like shit. <laughs> it's such a great Terrence Winter joke. It's, it's, it's pretty really, amazing. That's super solid. And, yeah. Uh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good episode. Pretty well, good subplot. So I, I think that what we're saying is the fun of this is that we don't know. I yeah. I know exactly. a lot of you guys are listening, mm-hmm. being like, "I thought you guys were going to tell us what happened." <laughs> Sorry, we don't know either. Yeah, but that's the point. That's the fun of it. It's I, like the fucking world. Like, do you know who your ex girlfriend is banging right now? No, I do actually. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's all over Facebook. Um, I guess that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I- exactly. It's not. It's just not really about that, and it's not the. Uh, it's not really the main point, and. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about the, you know, the cell phones in this episode because they do add a lot of comic comedic uh, elements to it. That's and then true. also just the one more thing I guess we should mention about uh, actually the David Chase thing was that he talked about how this was really inspired. There's one scene in particular that was really inspired by uh, I Spy, which is a, a show from 1968, I think, starring Bill Cosby. Right. Um, but he just said that like. He, he loved that show growing up and the comedy of it and the scene with uh, Polly and Christopher eating the ketchup packets in the truck was something he had thought of watching I Spy in the yeah, 1960s. Yeah, two guys like marooned somewhere being yeah, forced to eat ketchup packets. Yeah, um, and you know, that that really was a really funny, funny scene to watch with the crowd and it's, It was so amazing watching it out of context. It's yeah, so exactly. much funnier. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing really is, is hysterical and, and the, the, just that the, they devolve into these like crazy people who are pointing guns at each other and blaming each other. And, and Paul's hair, Paul's hair is coming like dismantled. You know? <laughs> it's amazing. Well, and I also think that what one thought that I had that I should mention is that Chris really did wind up having, um, he really did wind up coming into his own a little bit in this episode, mm. I think mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yep, yep, I did it. Uh, because you know. He sees he's finally got his head up above water enough that he's seeing Polly made a really bad decision here. Mm-hmm. And he's on a, he's on a level where he's like, I would have done this differently and I would have been right. Yeah. And I think it's a new level of maturity for him. I think that he's seeing where he is and that he's come a long way. Yeah. As far as being like a psychopath criminal. Right. Yeah. He's getting very good at it. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. He's learning. He's, yeah. he's networking. Um, so we have some more to say about the pine, the woods section of this. I think we should take a break and then we got to talk a little let's bit about Bobby. Yeah. Let's get, let's get a, let's get a uh, McMuffin. Um, we should definitely talk about Bobby McBacala when we come back. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, do you know that in the Wikipedia article about, and I don't always look at the Wikipedia article, mm-hmm. but I was at a loss for music for this episode. So I checked, um, aside from. Gloria, of course, that's mm-hmm. an obvious one. Mm-hmm. We don't like to go with the obvious and the low-hanging fruit here at NFZ, right? Um, yeah. So I checked Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, you know they 
they say in the plot synopsis when it gets to the part where they go to pick up Bobby and this is where we'll leave it it says uh, Tony decides to enlist the help of Bobby Bacala comma an expert outdoorsman <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that he was an expert outdoorsman apparently he is he looks he looks pretty confident out there a woodsman yeah um, all right so we'll talk about that we'll talk about Gloria we'll talk about Meadow we have actually quite a bit to talk about still for Gosh. a show we didn't think we'd have any anything to say about isn't um, isn't that what always happens? And now we got to go get McMuffins too. Mm-hmm. Let's go get McMuffins, um, which they do serve all day from twenty four hours a day. Uh, McDonald's, thank you again for sponsoring us this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is McDonald's. not true. If you can make it here, you'll make it anywhere. <laughs> McDonald's. All right, uh, we'll be right back. This is no fucking ZD. You're in the fucking zone. You're in the fucking zone. No fucking ZD is brought to you by Ketchups and shit. Okay. Sup? Uh, welcome back to No Fucking ZD. Uh, this is the Gloria Trillo podcast. Indeed, it is. Still talking about uh, still talking about Pine Barrens, and uh, let's go ahead and wrap up that whole uh, storyline there. Um, I suppose we're all living and dying at the same time. <laughs> Don't you think? Um, I do. I do. So uh, we uh, we get some reinforcements here in the way of uh, Bobby Bacala, who um, comes in just totally dressed for the part, which is just excellent, excellent comedy. I love it. And 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 to back up a little bit, I love the dynamic between Junior and Tony because Tony's got a lot on his mind. Yeah, yeah. And in many ways, it's comfortable for him to go back to some mob shenanigans for the moment. Uh, yeah, probably. And frankly, we need it because I love all this glorious stuff, but let's face it, we're here for the shenanigans, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, he, uh, yeah. So they they bring in Bobby. I'm sure you're right. I think that it is nice for Tony to get away. I mean, he, he literally gets to leave Gloria's apartment, which is nice, Gloria's house. Um, and uh, they reconvene at Junior's, and we have this great scene where Bobby walks in wearing that ridiculous outfit. His full on hunting garb. Yeah, and of course, like this, the really genuine reaction from Gandolfini there, which you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the story, but like. What they did was have uh, was have uh, Steve Sharippa walk in wearing multiple different outfits. Oh, really? And, yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, they had him like walk in. I guess I think at one point he either had a dildo like on his head or was wearing like a big strap on, and they just had him wear all this like ridiculous shit. <laughs> no way! To, oh, yeah, 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 to try and get uh, a genuine genuine laugh out of Gandolfini. And so when, and it worked because he really does light yes, up. When you, and it's amazing to me that... Um, so that's like Gandolfini reacting probably like his gesture with his hand. Yeah. Like, come on. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, <laughs> what are the, what else are they going to do? Got to be the dildo. Um, and it's it's amazing to me that Junior just doesn't even react. Like <laughs> I know. You know, like... He's how, in the he frame, keeps, isn't he? Oh, yeah, big time. It, yeah. like, pans over and Junior's just standing there, like, total stone face, just not <laughs> laughing at all. Doesn't care at all. At all. Um, which I imagine was probably pretty tough, and they probably did multiple, multiple takes of that to get it right. I mean, I feel like they had to say to uh, to fucking um, guy who plays Junior, Dominique Kiannis. Yeah, they had to say to Dom, mm-hmm. "Listen, Dom, you can't laugh, little Dom, because you know what? Like, 
we're trying to get like when you're shoot. I can imagine when you're shooting something and you're trying to get like really natural reactions out of someone. Yeah, it's important that the other actors don't fuck it up because oh, yeah. like that's a one take type vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he he, he did it very well. <laughs> yeah, he did it really because really he just well. does not react whatsoever. Um, a nice little moment for Bobby though, you know, a little little humanizing moment. I like you know Tony laughs at him, but then there's that moment in the car where it's like, all right, you actually know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, and uh, he brings up having gone hunting with his dad, Bobby Senior, who we met and watched die <laughs> a couple Dude, episodes ago, whoa, I know. several months ago for us. So I like that they bring that back and kind of like you know it's just another thread. Like so many things happen throughout the season that you you, you never know if it's going to even like come back at all. Much like the Russian, but yeah, here's well, Bobby talking about his dad. I yeah he he's talking and that's you know that's a big deal. Mm. You know what I mean? And like they mentioned they mentioned Bobby's dad uh, in. Uh, season six when they have that famous conversation in the boat Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but one thing i wanted to point out that i noticed this time around watching it is that this is two episodes in a row where bobby is being ridiculed for what he's wearing and was the last one the santa suit (laughs) and so it's it's, except this one is somehow funnier looking it is (laughs) with the hat i think the hat is the main thing but everything yeah but the fact is that Tony starts laughing and Bobby just goes, fuck this and leaves <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to leave because this is like the second time in what, like a month where everybody's just making fun of him for yeah. what he's wearing. And I, I think it makes sense that Bobby would be like, I'm out of here. You yeah. guys, because it, I mean, it makes sense between the Santa suit and that I'd be like, fuck you guys. Yeah, for real. Yeah. It's been a pretty shitty Christmas for Bobby Bacala <laughs> so far. Um, but he proves pretty valuable. They, they do, they make it to the woods. Um, you know, like we briefly mentioned in uh, the first half, you know, luckily they had cell phones to actually to use in this episode, you know, like, yeah, it'd be hard to do the story without it. And it's kind of hard to even do a story like this now with cell phones because yeah. it's kind of like, you know, someone gets lost. It's like, we'll just call them, you know, but they, but they used it really well. Um, I think so. Complete. And it was like just enough technology. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's really not a service problem we have anymore because the cell phone Look, the, the Verizon guy says it's 2016, right? And most networks are pretty good. Exactly. So you know, it it is very of its time. Um, but anyway, so they're able to kind of figure out where they are, and then that mixed with Bobby's, you know, expertise eventually leads them to the guys with a little bit of help from Polly shooting at his Bruno Malias <laughs> in the snow. Speaking of Bruno Malias. You know, it's a great series is that OJ documentary. I know, I know, I know. That's the second little OJ reference we had. Do you think, I wonder if the American public would would know Bruno Malia by name if it wasn't for the OJ Simpson Well, trial. doesn't, <laughs> I thought they were Bruno Maglies, because isn't that what Chris calls them? But I think he's fucking it up. No, isn't it Malia? Yeah, it is. Okay. But, but I heard, because I didn't know much about Bruno Malia's. Yeah. I don't really buy my shoes at Barney's too often. No. Yeah. Um, nor am I an ex-football player. Right. And yet, like, Chrissy knows what they are, and he says Bruno Maglies. And so when I I actually heard Chrissy say it in my life before I heard the real pronunciation. Yeah. So I'm watching the OJ documentary. I'm like, Does, do they mean Bruno Maglies? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, this is embarrassing, but that's how it was for me and uh, and Hermes. From the yeah, show. totally. Me I, too. I never heard her, her, uh, Hermes before. I was just like, yeah, Hermes, well, like the Also, fancy... people say Hermes when they reference the Greek Oh, very true. Mailman very true. or whatever yeah. the fuck he is. Yeah. So, uh, so they're, they're eventually found. And as we said earlier, it kind of wraps up this, this storyline wraps up with, you know, it, it being about Polly and Tony really just puts it all on Polly. And, um, we learn that, uh, you know, Polly is not this, uh, like I said, he's not a good leader. You can't, 
can't handle crisis situations very well. This is true. And and Chrissy also, by the same token, is not the most obedient follower when he feels that things yeah. are getting a little bit out of hand. So he, I mean, I don't want to say he makes the situation worse. Yeah. Because Polly sort of has it coming. Yeah. And well, who who's the one who's hoarding Tic Tacs? Polly. <laughs> yeah, Polly, of Polly in the middle of the night, yeah. So, I just found him. I just found him. But Christopher, like, at least um, at, at the very end, backs Polly up. And he didn't. Yeah, but then a few episodes to. later, they it's the beginning of some bullshit between them. True. Yeah. We got to stop talking about Chrissy and Polly. Let's talk. <laughs> we got to talk about Bobby. Okay. Let's talk about Bobby. Bobby is the one who actually figures it out. Well, first of all, what is it? Polly starts shooting at his like fake shoe. At his fake shoe. Yeah. And he's, I love. He's reached a breaking point. He's by reached the end. a breaking yeah. point. It's a, it reminds me a lot of Charlie Chaplin's Gold Rush because mm. he has to do the same thing. He has to like make a shoe. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, and. Um, Evan is a Charlie Chaplin expert, by the way. I don't know if we've mentioned that ever <laughs> yeah, before, but exactly. all he talks about, yeah. I've got the mustache. Yeah. It's not a Hitler. <laughs> it's a Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing is that, like, it's, it really, it, I mean, there's that same element of comedy. I felt like they drew on that a little bit. But, like, I just love that that everything goes wrong for Polly. Mm-hmm. Polly loses his shoe. And I think that for both of them, it's like Polly's kind of realizing that he's no spring chicken. Mm-hmm. He's not that resilient, like, when you think of it. Mm-hmm. He is in a lot of ways. He's a great tough guy. Yeah. But he's not well equipped for this type of situation. I mean, yeah. he's talking about blackjack the whole time. Yeah. It's interesting to see these types of guys go crazy in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love it. Guys with guns who ha- who have killed before and are very willing to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, it turns out that shooting at his fake shoe is the thing that gets them saved. Right. Because Bobby hears it. Bobby fires his, like, sportsman's firearm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looks, again, looks very confident doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like Bobby actually knows a, little, a thing or two about things other than being in the mafia. Exactly. Which not many of these guys do. No, I guess not. Certainly not Polly. They, I mean, when, certainly not. As Polly. soon as he was taken out of his element, he uh, had a really hard time. That's completely true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, to wrap up, the Russian will never come back. Uh, <laughs> they'll talk about him one more time. And uh, although there is a little bit of suspense with uh, you know Tony walking in to see Slava, and you're kind of wondering if they're really gonna if he's really gonna walk into that the buzzsaw as he says, right? Um, you know, which is really tight, great storytelling. You know, this mm-hmm. this little like that scene with him and Slava trying to figure it out, uh, or Tony's trying to figure out if he knows and how he'll react and uh, and all this other stuff. But you know, yeah. It, um, well, let's talk about where what Tony's up to. In yeah, this episode, because so Tony's got to Tony. This is this is kind of a nice reinvention of the the two families, kind of making his life insane. Agreed. Yeah. Except it's not his real family. It's his it's his it's his Gumar. Right. But a uh, little bit little bit of the family in there though. Yeah, definitely. But like Gloria is really like making a stink. Yeah, to say time. the least. She's, in this episode. she's uh, revealing herself to uh, to be his mother. Right. And uh, they're having an issue. I mean, the episode starts with her answering the phone on his boat. Yeah, yeah. I, it's cool that Tony has a boat phone. That's like a new level of dondom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Irina knows the number, and he's never changed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't get the feeling that Carmela spends a whole lot of time on that boat. Almost none, right? Yeah, yeah we see her once, you yeah. know, and it's when Artie's on a bender. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Season 6A, I want to say. Right. Right, um, right, but you know that that <laughs> I gotta say, like Arena knowing the number made 
perfect sense. Oh to no, me. it definitely does. Yeah, but it's just it's just a funny like oversight in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess, you know, but um, but it's fucking hilarious. The the I love that Arena and Gloria spoke. Me too. And it, this is the second season in a row where uh, Irina's made a phone call towards the end of the season that just kind of started causing a lot of havoc. You know, last year yeah. it was to Tony's house. This year it's to Tony's boat. And uh, this isn't the last one. Right. That's true. There's a big one. That there's, is, a pretty, that is, there's a pretty big matzo ball coming up. Interesting. I, I, You're right. You're absolutely right. I kind of forgot about this one, I guess, but there's a bit of a pattern happening here with Irina. And, and we have like sorrow s- in common. Yeah. <laughs> setting things into motion at the end of seasons. Yeah. She's, just, I mean... She's like one of the low key, most consequential characters. Right. She's her, like her the, and Aaron. Her and uh, Matouche. <laughs> and Matouche, yeah. Irina, Aaron, and Matouche drive the show. I think, I think. Irina and Matouche should get their own spin off. I agree. Where they're like a crime stopping <laughs> buddy force. Cool. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you know, Irina calls, and we see the first, you know, the the first couple cracks in the uh, the Gloria happy mm-hmm. fun time they've been having because mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I thought it was interesting, actually, that, that Tony was honest with her at all. Um, he's honest a couple times this episode. He's honest with Gloria about mm-hmm. Irina calling. I mean, after he lies. And then he's honest with Melfi about Melfi about Gloria also after he lies for a really long time. But interesting. He's usually not very honest. And he's, Well, and guess which one is receptive to it? I mean, Melfi is forgiving in the way that she has to be. Mm. Gloria flips her lid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, she throws out this fancy Moroccan present into the water. <laughs> you have no, it could have been a fucking breadstick. We what have a no waste. Idea. I know, what a waste. Um, um, but I, I also, uh, come to think of it, I, I do love that we got a little respite from Gloria for a hot second, you know? I think it's a nice thing, because she's a whole lot of character, man. When she's mm-hmm. in, When she's in the episode... It's a fucking disaster, like the whole time. Yeah, and they're really good episodes, but she's an exhausting character to have in the mix as a viewer. Oh, for sure. I mean, she's you know she's like, I mean she's like Livia, you know, like yeah. that that whole that's all coming back, but not as funny. Uh, no, definitely not as funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah I agree. I mean, you know, they also had to I guess like kind of plan that out just to get a lot of other shit out of the way because yeah. there'll be a big thing with her next week obviously and and uh her it'll tie the fine leather seats etc right yeah um and which will really tie a lot of the, se- the season together but yeah i mean in this one there's there's multiple things she says and shots of her that i think you're definitely supposed to just think like she is livia again you know and it's more obvious now like in the last yeah. episode when she was feeling on his gun, you know, in that exchange that they had when she says, you know, you really are in love with yourself. Right. You know? It's like a taste of it, but it's almost right. like Tony's like not sure if he's sort of imagining it mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to think it because mm-hmm. she's such like a hot piece. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I think that he's kind of in denial a little bit about this. Yeah, 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 definitely. And... And also, he chases after dis- dysfunctional women. Like he just loves every second. Arena, Gloria, mm-hmm. uh, Valentina, mm-hmm. all, any A name, <laughs> yeah. basically. Like you're yep. good. Uh, but you know, he's really kind of pissed on a bee's nest with this one, and he's just getting deeper and deeper because she's like yeah. completely codependent, super dysfunctional, crazier, arguably than Tony. I think. Yeah, I would probably agree. Yeah. Yeah. Poor kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, 
it all culminates in that fight. I mean, she's mad that uh, Tony was late because uh, Hugh has glaucoma and showed up after dinner for coffee. And uh, which I, I love because <laughs> they, I mean, they, they don't call; they show up. I know they yeah. popped in about glaucoma. Yeah, and there's a there's that great shot where Carmela is just like, "You're not leaving, right? You're gonna have coffee." Like my father has glaucoma, and they're all staring at Tony, like Hugh and uh, oh shit, we, we never mom. learn her name. The mom, I think. I think she's she's listed as the mom. I can't stand this. No, woman. It's uh no, it's Angela maybe or um is it uh, John? I think it's John. Is Carmela's mom's name? Um, <laughs> it's beat. It's beat. <laughs> so they're all they're all just staring at him. Uh, so he's late for dinner. Shows up. Gloria just isn't even hearing any of it, and uh, really becomes Livia. And uh, although they they have sex and they kind of hang out and it's it's fine. As soon as he has to go, that you know the flick of a light switch again she's just you know she's just off and she's asking for it too because you know what she's trying to have like this sort of normal relationship with the dude she knows is married mm-hmm. and she's and, and and you know not that she doesn't deserve respect as a person mm-hmm. because uh, clearly that's what she needs to find in the world to be yeah. happy yeah, tony's not he's not good for her he's not good for her and she's also kind of just she's asking for it you know mm-hmm. and she's asking for a fight and she's kind of like I think that she's sort of like the crazier version of Melfi, where she likes to dig in those mm-hmm. those dangerous zones. Yeah. So she's got a bit of a death wish. She's got this morbid sort of, uh, I want to say, uh, curiosity with what Tony does for a living and his mm-hmm. life. And so she, she starts to really... I think kind of agitate him on purpose. She she puts him in this position where she wants to have like a normal date on like a fucking Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is it's a bit of a setup. Well, I yeah. gotta say, yeah. I mean, I think I think she feels comfortable in in these fights and these like you know chaotic moments. Just like Tony feels comfortable with a woman who's very similar to his mom and makes him feel like shit and drives him insane. But like right. he keeps coming back to it. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she's uh she definitely feels comfortable. Um, uh, you know, in turmoil, basically. You yeah, know? completely. Um, obviously, after breaking up with Barry, you know, things just really went downhill. I and- love that it was Barry. Because, <laughs> like, clearly uh, he's not, you know, a paisan. No, of course not. It's Barry. Yeah, he works on Wall Street or something. Yeah. Um, And then there's the meat, you know. there's She throws the London broil at his ah, back. And, ah, uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so, I mean, again, like, they're just so good at introducing things and... They could mean something, maybe they don't. They forget about them for multiple episodes and then bring it back, and then it's just such a like an aha moment where mm-hmm. it's like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. this is how it ties together. Like even the meat thing, and I'm glad they did it too because as, as much as I like the the meat panic attack background storyline, you know, it feels flimsy to me in a some little ways, bit, yeah. but I love that it keeps coming back. Yeah, the way that it comes back here in this way, I feel like really ties ties it together in a nice way and like elevates it beyond just like oh this simple like this thing happened that's she didn't why throw a baguette at him right exactly so like that's something that i feel like can happen in life even when you just have an epiphany that's like not even in therapy mm-hmm. where you wind up sort of um like things in your life start to sort of follow that pattern right so i feel like the meat is significant because it's significant, but it's also significant because they had this epiphany about it. And I yeah. think that's probably why when she throws it at him, it's like a big fucking deal. Yeah. And, you know, it just he, like sends him that much further. Right. And he'll still need a little bit of time to put it together. I mean, next week is really when it like just really comes to the forefront where he's like, oh, OK, she's she's my mom. 
Um, you know, he still needs like a little bit of help in this episode, uh, you know, connecting the meat getting thrown at him and like with the earlier epiphany. But I think it's 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 coming to the surface. Yeah. Um, but next week it'll be big time. But um, uh, or big league, as uh, Donald Trump would say. And, uh, you know, Melfi really tries. She's really trying to kind of make that connection for him. But he's either not ready or. uh doesn't want to face that truth that like well, oh again al- i went for my mom again well, <laughs> this, this always happens to her where or to her but she i mean she's in this situation with tony where over and over again she finally gets up on her hind legs right and she says clearly it's this mm-hmm. and tony goes oh yeah i've heard of that happening to people sometimes mm-hmm. and he's yeah I, I, oh yeah i think i know a guy like that right <laughs> completely doesn't do anything for him right but his face at the end of this episode and this isn't the end of the podcast, by the way. So I didn't hear a bell. All right. So don't go turning us off. <laughs> we now. still have Scrabble to talk about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, you know, but at the end of the episode, when she says, like, does that remind you of anyone else? And he says, no, he's kind of got a. Oh, yeah. He's kind of got a look on his face like, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that they they show the shot of that statue right before that scene too. Just again, a visual visual reference of Livia, and you know, I, I'm repeating myself at this point. But but again, with like the threads tying up, we forget because because it's been so long in our in our podcast world. But the start of this season was Livia dying. And it was something that Tony kind of buried for a long time. That's I mean, true, he really it? hasn't thought or talked about it too much beyond those couple episodes where she dies. And then he like has the flashback about the meat. Um, well, and he kind of spends two episodes being annoyed with everyone mm-hmm. and kind of happy that she died because now he's right. not being indicted anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's like just not something he's dealt with. And I, I just think it's a really they did, they did a really good job with it in the same way that they, they handle like the big pussy death where like it kind of. It was hanging over a lot of the season, mm-hmm. but they didn't really talk about it directly until last week. And then again, this week. Gosh, that's true. You know, this week again, it was kind of like Livia's death really has been hanging over this whole season mm-hmm. in, in many ways. Like in the fact that, of course, like Tony hasn't really dealt with the grief in the fact that, you know, the again, parenting is a big theme. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just it's interesting. It really kind of like. You know, again, it's like these storylines feel like they're kind of going all over the place and not really making sense for so long. And then it's just nice to have it just in one scene like that. It kind of just like puts the whole season in a new light in a way. You That's know a, what I mean? Th- I, th- I completely agree. And I think that what's cool about it is that what we get to on a long enough timeline with a lot of the behavior on a lot of these uh, and a lot of these subplots with these different characters yeah. is human nature, which right. is that things feel random, they feel new, right? but they're not really that new a lot of the time. Sometimes yeah. you really do wind up finding yourself in the same situation over and over again, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's frustration at your job, like Chris and Paul are having, you know, like Paul. it's like <laughs> Paul Walnut. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, is it me or is it these people or mm-hmm. I don't know, you mm-hmm. know, because all of them start out blaming external things. Right. You know, Paul is really upset with this Russian interior decorator. Um, Tony's really upset with Gloria. But on some level, they've both got to know and they won't admit it because they're pissed about it. But they, they have to know subconsciously that this is them sort of repeating the past. Right. Right. In a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I'm sure it is. You know, it's the uh, the habits of the quarterback again. You know, um, uh, yeah, he's fucked. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's quite literally fucked. I mean, he's he's going to keep going for these women over and over and over again. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I I just like that they how they incorporate these things. And, you know, again, with the fans' frustrations with the show, I think that a lot of people felt that, like, well, where is this going? Like, what, how, does this, how does this add up? And, uh, you know, then this is, this is how it, you see how it adds up. It's however subtle it is, you know? Yeah, completely. Um, all right, so quickly, let's get through uh, the Meadow and Jackie storyline here. Um, yeah. <laughs> some big things. Ass, poo, oblique. Uh, Good Lord. I mean, this guy is one hell of a fucking shitty Scrabble player. Yeah. I still think it would have been better if he was wearing Oakleys. <laughs> I mean, here's my thing, though. It's like, yes, I-, I consider myself smarter than Jackie Jr., but, like, if I got ass, of course I'd put it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And it's yo, I mean, who's gonna challenge yo? It's yeah. in the vernacular. Did he put yo? Isn't is it? I think it's, yo it's is ask in there. Who and the? Maybe yo. Yo might <laughs> oh, be no, the. the. Is the other. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just the, the fact though that he got the letters to do ass and poo yeah i mean within like a handful of turns kudos that's pretty solid yeah that's kudos. good that's good plan i mean not bad jack jr the the this kid is is clever you know <laughs> <laughs> and he's cultured it's clear but like i mean he's a hilarious scrabble player but like that scene makes me squirm a little bit and here's mm. why because we've all done that thing with our girlfriend where we know it's not a good time to to, to do it mm-hmm. and you're just like unless you want to you know what I mean like <laughs> I haven't been like I mean I'm not saying that I'm in I'm Jack Jr. and that like I'm I'm like the dude who's gonna like have sex with someone on spring break with mm-hmm. like sunglasses and a backwards hat on mm-hmm. well you are wearing Oakley's though so. yeah but like but he's definitely the dude in the porno that keeps the hat on <laughs> you, you know what I mean and socks maybe and socks <laughs> perhaps I mean and like, like some sort of necklace yeah 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 or like um, the shoes with like the toes that are kind of like gloves <laughs> What? I'm surprised don't, those don't show up in porn more often now that I think about it. That that would be like a good sort of foot fetish thing. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like bang me in your toe shoes, man. Is that hot to foot fetish people? I don't know. Um, but like he, he's he's super creepy, but he kind of he's creepy in like a, a very realistic way. Mm hmm. He's not frat so boy creepy. He's he, huh? Frat boy creepy. He's frat boy creepy. Yeah. He clearly is like a little misogynistic. Mm-hmm. He's uh he doesn't really have a whole lot of respect for Meadow. He kind of does whatever. N- yeah, right. Um but like he also he's just going down this road where he really is um kind of what am I trying to say? He's going on this road where he's kind of being nurtured by these guys who are like pretty outwardly misogynistic and mm-hmm. womanize and, and treat people pretty badly. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of in this sort of like teenage romance that he's having with Meadow. And it kind of just gives me a little bit of, I'm like, uh, when he's like trying to, she has a cold and like clearly she's really uncomfortable and he's like trying to have sex with her. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, you know, after being in a relationship for like 10 years, sometimes you're just bored, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> You know, I mean, I've definitely had sex with people when I was sick. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, but it's different for a woman. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> okay, that's it for this week on No Fucking ZD. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I think this that is where we get in trouble. Like we, we're gonna have some sort of vice feminist article written on piece. us about this. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna show up in a think piece next week. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that the Jackie's feelings, Jack Junior's feelings for Meadow, can be summed up in in the one line he says at the end to the blonde girl that he's sleeping with is that's Tony Soprano's daughter. You know, he doesn't give a fuck that it's Meadow. He's not like, oh, that's my girlfriend who I really care about. It's like that's fucking the guy that like. I mean, in a weird way, it's like. Tony's the one he wants to like romance and, and, and get into the you know the mafia's pants if you will can you imagine if it was Tony and Jackie playing Scrabble in bed <laughs> it'd be all ass and poo <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> the whole board would just say ass yeah uh, you know so that that really sums uh, sums up how he feels about Meadow I don't he doesn't respect her as a person it was a means to an end you know he wanted to get in you know Tony says actually about Gloria he, I forget the exact line but like um, when he's talking to Melfi at the, the very end there, he's just kind of like, why does it have to be so much work, you know? And uh, which says a lot about him and about the Sopranos universe in general. I, th- I think that's actually a pretty good summary. Of yeah, that the hardest, like that, that the relationship that you're in that is like the, at the center of your life is not the thing you should be putting work into. Yeah, right. Or just they don't want to put work into anything. And Jack, Jack Jr. doesn't want to put any work into just like being rich and making it in the mob. He would much rather just go in through marrying Meadow, basically, or, you know, going that way. And that's all he really cares about. I don't think he really cares about her too much, like, as an actual person, you know? He really thinks that that's the best way to go. Yeah. He's, I mean, like I said last week, I think he's truly confused. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know how he's supposed to act. He's kind of half in this thing where he's, like, trying to get in good with Tony Mm -hmm. by being with his daughter and making her happy, and he's more on the radar. And she's a cutie, like, let's be honest here. Of course, yeah. And and she's way smarter than him. Yeah. But, like... At this, by the same token, he's kind of confusing a lot of these things where he's like treating Meadow like a regular mob wife, which is not what Tony wants for her. Right. In the same way that Tony doesn't want AJ to be in the mafia. And maybe AJ not being in the mafia is like, that's there are different reasons why that's not going to work. Right. But the, the song remains the same. He doesn't want that to be the case. And right. they've done a good job of kind of pushing their kids in another direction where they're self-sufficient. Yeah. And also, I mean, you know, Meadow's not Carmella and he doesn't want her to be. And, you know, he respects Meadow in a much different way than he does Carmella. Right. He does. And so I think that I would imagine he'd feel, he he feels some regret about breaking up her and Noah, which, again, comes up in this episode. You know, I think uh, I forget if it's Carmella or Melfi, but one of them says like, well, you wouldn't she wouldn't be with Jackie if it wasn't for. I think it's Carmela actually. In yeah, therapy. it is Carmela, and and, and Car- Carmela is a whole other story. She can't make her mind up. She never likes who Meadows dating. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Tony pretty directly is responsible for for what happens in this episode. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, he is of course, obviously. I mean, he's the center of the show, so everything's going to kind of stem from him. But mm. this this in particular is is he she's with Jackie because of Tony. You yeah, know? I mean, it's true. Noah didn't break up with her. Well, he partly broke up with her because of his dad, but also, you know, if that if that never if that confrontation never happened between Noah and Tony, you know, who knows? And so it's really it was That's Tony true. who drove Meadow to Jackie, and uh, and so it's uh, you know this is kind of his fault in a lot of ways. It is kind of his fault, and and also like just to run with that, he he has been nurturing their. You know, he was a big proponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the, I mean, I like one of my favorite lines is, you know, when Carmela is talking about how she should be in the city going to museums and shit. Yeah. And she's right. Yeah. You know, um, and if she was going to school a little bit further away, yeah. then perhaps she'd be doing that and not be at home all the time. But he, he says you'd rather she be looking at pictures of soup cans than hanging around near home. Right. And it's 
it sums it all up for me. Yeah, she should, she should be making a podcast in the city. You know, she'd be making a podcast about soup cans. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not delivery. It's yeah. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know, when he's even talking about Gloria in this episode, he's kind of like one of the things. Melfi's like, "What's what attracted you to Gloria?" And he's like, "She's Italian. You know, she's from the Smart, same background. Sexy Italian, and uh, that's still something he weirdly values." And then he even kind of instilled that in Meadow when her friends are like trying to tell her that Jackie was just a loser. You don't waste your time. Yeah. She's just like, well, we came from the same background. Like you don't understand, you know? And and, and she was right. And she, I think she sort of needed that because she's out in the big bad world. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Caitlin who is like totally like she blew a gasket mm-hmm. moving to New York, but Meadow kind of blew a little bit more subtle of a gasket. Yeah. Agreed. And I mean, she rebelled. She's banging a black dude mm-hmm. and a Jew <laughs> in the same day. All in one. All in one. <laughs> it's a twofer All right. uh, of rebellion. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, like this is a big step for her not dating an Italian guy. Right. And she really kind of went for it in one big step, mm-hmm. pissed everybody off. And now she's coming back because I think she honestly like, kind of she realized how far away she was going and there's something that's very comfortable about this Mm -hmm. and in many ways i mean she needs she is her father's daughter big time and she on some level even though she's been pissed at him for like this whole season she is comforted by the fact that he approves of this yes there's no way that's not true agreed agreed it's just making her life easier even even if it's because he'll give her more spending money which i'm sure is the case (laughs) 100 agree yes um the one last quick, quick thing. I, I do like that uh, that Meadow has to get sick, much like her dad at the end of season two. She gets sick to kind of have this uh, for her subconscious to kind of bubble up and and this is a good point and make her think about you know the truth about the people around her, which I thought was an interesting parallel. Well, much like Tony, who got food poisoning and realized yeah. Pussy was lying to him, she is sick and then realizes that Jackie's lying to her. Um, which I thought was just, I don't know if that was intentional or anything. I mean, maybe it wasn't, but it's just kind of interesting. Well, I think that it, it, it it's, I, it, the synergy does not escape me, but I also think that it's just, it just makes sense as a plot device. Yeah. She got sick. He can't get his stick wet. <laughs> yeah. And, and right. so like he, he's, 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 he's kind of being reckless. Good point. You yeah, know what I true. mean? Yeah. And so. I think that, I mean, I, I love that it's over. I love that she acts like such a whiny girl about it. Yeah. She does. She's not even, she's like, kind of like, no, Aaron going again. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that shit I love because you think she's really going to be like, cause she could have really said, I'm going to tell my fucking dad about this. Dude. Imagine. Imagine. Mm. Yeah. Imagine all the people. <laughs> it could have gone somewhere <laughs> totally different. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, next week, obviously, Jackie will have another big episode. But you, you mentioned earlier that, like, you know, just talking about, like, his way in. Um, and now that that's kind of cut off, I think it's interesting that next week, now that he has, like, he doesn't have the Meadow Avenue anymore, he's going to mm-hmm. go in a much more dangerous route next week and we'll see uh that that doesn't really work out for him unfortunately no it doesn't um, and it, and in many ways i mean the the some of the some of those sequences next week i'm so excited about there's some of my favorite great sequences. great episode yeah um and uh two things one this is the beginning of the end for jackie mm-hmm. uh breaking up with meadow he's kind of he sort of comes unhinged he doesn't know what to do he's mm-hmm. angry but this is like the first dumb thing that he does in a long or actually a relatively short sequence of dumb things <laughs> that get him killed. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that, like, just to go back to Chrissy and how I think he really came into his own seeing someone that he idolized failing a little bit and realizing that he's on the level, mm. you know, with the, the whole ordeal with him and Paul. Yes. Um, I think that 
you know, he's kind of, he's really coming into his own as a mafioso. And in the next episode, he's going to get all of the satisfaction of being a bona fide dug in made man who sort of, well, he gets to go after someone for a second and then Mm -hmm. he gets told he gets a down boy, but he's really, he's a cruising altitude Mm -hmm. as far as being a mafioso. And I'm proud of him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) proud of you, Chris. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Way to go. Yeah. (laughs) Come a long way since Yo-Yo Mendez. (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, for for something we thought we couldn't talk about it too much, we've talked about it for uh, quite a bit, and the I feel like we could keep going. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, but uh, but we'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, that is Pine Barrens. Does uh, does does Gloria mention that she's banging Tony, or is it just Tony that mentions that she's banging Gloria? It's just Tony that mentions it this time. I don't think we ever see a scene where Melfi and and Gloria talk about it, but we hear about it right. later next season. I think a little bit. That's right. Um. So so yeah. I mean, classic Sopranos episode, classic episode of TV. You know, I mean this really was this was a huge huge phenomenon when it when it first aired i mean, I mean not people, only is it a great episode to watch but also the aftermath in that there's no aftermath yeah is kind of incredible it really set off a lot of you know i mean a lot of the shows set off a lot of the current trends but i feel like this one you know like like breaking bad breaking bad's fly episode i think was di- you know very directly uh influenced by this not that like you know, they call them bottle episodes. Not that bottle episodes were brand new to The Sopranos, but like it's a bottle episode. Uh, it, it's an episode kind of more like Fly from Breaking Bad, where it's like two people in a room the entire time, and it's like a bottled kind of contained. I see. Yeah, because you know, every um, now and then that does happen. Well, usually it's for when it's when a show does it. Usually that means that they're moving some budget around and they're saving money for the big finale, and they've already spent a lot for the first half of the season. They need to cut costs a lot. And so they write an episode either, you know, in a sitcom it would be a clip episode on a drama. It's a bottle episode where it's like two cast members who don't cost too much just by themselves. One set. It's cheap. It's easy. It's it's a little quicker. No big, you know, action sequences. Um, I don't think that's the case with Pine Barrens because I I know that Tim Van Patten, who is the director on the show, just thought up the idea and pitched it to David Chase, and he just really liked the idea. It was and it was a really good idea, but there is also a lot of other shit that happens in this. Yeah, episode. it's not it's not a true bottle episode because yeah, there's the Gloria stuff, there's the the Jackie stuff, the Jackie and Meadow stuff, and the Melfi stuff. Um, but I mean, this was still a pretty influential episode and a pretty uh. It was it was a pretty big deal at the time, and uh, it's I, still I think it's still pretty great. It's I mean, a pretty it, infamous episode. Yeah, it's a, it's getting a little dated, you know, tw- almost twenty years after the fact. But uh, oh God, stop <laughs> saying that. But still, it's still looking. It's I. It's still great. It's just fantastic. So that was Pine Barrens. I can't say the same about this podcast about it, but uh, <laughs> we tried. Look, if so. you're listening twenty years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, just let us know. I I, I want to know what we're up to in twenty years. The same. Like yeah. We're both flipping burgers somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all of our podcasts are bottle episodes. Now that now that I think about it, this um, whole my life is a bottle so, episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we changed the game. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about a morfu, a morfu, and uh, a morfo or whatever. Yeah, a mofo. Um, and uh, keep and tweeting at us. We like it. Show us some respect. For once, though, we've frankly, I've had it with you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and you know what? The, the 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 tweets are fun, but think about what's important in your life. Yeah. And we'll take it away. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Once again, this has been no fucking ZD. Tweet at us. Follow us. I'll do all that. Do that. All that stuff. Or if don't. You, want, you know or what? Don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. sick of 
come in here, hat in my hand. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference to us. It doesn't make a difference yeah. to us because you know what? We're just gonna keep on podding. Exactly. And maybe we'll just we'll just make it for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll just listen to it together. The truth. And we'll laugh and laugh and we think about it while we fuck each other. <laughs> <laughs> The true podcast way. All right, yeah. I think that's that signals that this is over. That about does it. All right, let's turn the lights off and sit in darkness for the next seven days. <laughs> uh, it is time to go into hibernation. This has been another episode of No Fucking ZD. Thank you for listening. Fuck yourselves. Don't listen. Who cares? Goodbye. Goodbye. She make a feel so good now. She make a feel out.